welcome to this Your Writing Success episode with Gary Lung. Gary started writing at the age of nine years old in Papua New Guinea before venturing to Australia many years later. Gary has competed across a range of disciplines in his lifetime and this has helped shape Gary's horsemanship skills and knowledge. Gary has made many dressage squads in his journey with GB Winchester and has also trained with Olympian Stefan Peters in the US. Gary is the founder of Windhill Dressage Stables and now dedicates his time to training, coaching and clinics. Professional riders and trainers commend Gary's professionalism, knowledge and positive attitude. Here's Gary to share his story. Welcome to the Your Riding Success Podcast. My name is Natasha Altoff and I'm a Grand Prix dressage rider from Australia, author of three books and a leading online trainer of riders all around the world wanting to take their riding to the next level. I'm also a chocoholic, mother of two amazing children and obsessed with helping riders be all they can be. Each week, I'm going to bring in new stories of inspiration, ideas and strategies of how to make real progress in your writing, and give you actionable advice on overcoming writing fear and anxiety so you can take your writing to the next level and be the writer you dream to be. So let's get into today's episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, Gary. I'm super pumped to chat. Welcome. Nice to be here. Awesome. All right. So I'd love to know how horses started for you. What what got you into horses? Were you a horse mad boy? You were just like horses, 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 or how did it all start? It started, I grew up in Papua New Guinea and I remember going to one of the local horse shows. It was actually the, yeah. the annual horse show of the year. And I remember going there and seeing a bunch of kids riding. And I thought to myself, well, that looks kind of fun. And I remember asking one of the kids, you know, how do you ride a horse? What do you do? How do you get into it? And I remember he said to me, horses are very expensive. And I think back then it was $150 to buy a horse. So I thought, well, I need to buy myself a horse. So I went home and counted all my money. Yes. Piggy bank. And I had 150 one cent pieces. And I thought, oh, how exciting. I've got my 150. I went to my mum and said, Mum, I have $150. Can I buy a pony? And she went, what do you mean? And I explained and she said, how much was it? And I said, $150. And she said, no, you've only got 151 cent pieces. So it didn't work. <laughs> how old were you at this time? started. Yeah. And then from that, I um, befriended people at school with horses because my family's not horsey. I was the only black sheep in the family who actually decided to love animals and love horses and love dogs. And, and they weren't going to help me. Mum and dad had nothing to do with horses. They didn't want to have anything to do with horses. So I befriended friends at school who had horses. I think a lot of us kind of can relate to a story like that. And and, you know, these poor kids who thought I wanted to be their friend. Actually, I didn't want to be their friend. I just wanted to be a friend with their horses. The secret's out now. Sorry about that. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you, sure Sorry all those well. guys back then. <laughs> um, and from that, I went to Pony Club, you know, the local Pony Club, hung out with families, with kids, with horses, did anything I can. If I could just pick up a brush groom a horse, feed a horse. I didn't care. I just wanted to be around horses. I love it. And did you have a dream when you said you first went to your first show and you saw horses? Were they jumping? Were they going around in circles? Were they showing? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? It was more the pony. It was more like novelties. Ooh, games and stuff. Bending races and barrel races. And I just thought, this looks like fun. I just wanted to... Yeah, hoon around on a pony. And I just was fascinated that, that people could sit on a horse and, and ride a horse and, and interact yeah. with a horse. Wow. Okay, yeah. so um, you're doing pony club, you're having fun. Um, are you also trying to figure out what you were going to be when you grew up? Was school very important back? Like were your parents encouraging you to finish school and, and do something with, with schooling or what was going on? Well, my parents originally, when you grow up in Papua New Guinea, the majority of people there send their children away to Australia to boarding school. Right. And so you, 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 you went to school in Port Moresby or Papua New Guinea up to um, high school. And then from high school onwards, you went to boarding school. 
Well, I refused to go to boarding school because I couldn't take my horse. <laughs> I said, like you're thinking. Yeah, I said to my parents, I'll go if you can take my horse. And of course, you, you know, you couldn't take your horse from Papua New Guinea to Australia. Didn't think that you could actually get a horse down here. But, yeah, um, we didn't think that, yeah. Yeah, but um, so I, I grew up, I sort of went to high school at Port Moresby, Port Moresby International High School. Had a great upbringing. I mean, growing up in Papua New Guinea back in the 80s were really quite open. We didn't have a lot of the the gangs and the crime, and it was a very open, you know, everyone knew everyone, and it was a great environment to grow up in. And where I learned to ride was in a place called Bomana Pony Club, or what we call the Turf Club. And in Papua New Guinea, they don't, you don't have a horse and have it in your backyard. Everyone who had horses actually leased um, like a stable or leased yeah. a couple of acres off the turf club and it was based yeah. around the turf club. Mm-hmm. And you lived in town, you drove out, you had your horses uh, set up there, you would ride and we did everything. So one weekend you'd go to pony club, next weekend you'd, you'd play polo cross, the next weekend you'd go to a point-to-point race and then you have mm-hmm. a go what we thought was dressage back then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and do some mustering cattle and you just did everything. And yeah. it didn't matter what it was. We just wanted to be with horses. I love it. Okay. Were either stock horses, so it came from cattle station, or a lot yeah. of um, a lot of race horses were, were imported from Australia and they would yeah. race for at least until they were about 10 years old. And then wow. they were given, yes, then they were given yeah. to us. And you can imagine... The, the challenges that came with the off-the-track thoroughbred, 10 years old, raced for most of his life. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty ingrained, those patterns. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But we didn't care. He had four legs, a man and a tail, and it went fast. I was going to say, it's probably good it goes fast. Who's got the fastest? Because, <laughs> you know, the way you jump and the way you went around barrels, you just went fast. The way you played polo cross, you just went fast. I think we even did dressage fast, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what I'm so curious about because I only know you as a dressage rider. So I'm hearing this amazing story of of fast and crazy, fast and furious. Um, so what was what was the defining moment that that shifted that? Okay, I um, so when I eventually moved to Australia, I started eventing, and I had a thoroughbred that I did a little bit of venting, and still in that very fast mode, hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And um, he became a little unsound in jumping, so I continue on with dressage. And I had no concept about putting a horse on the bit, no concept about putting a horse through. And I remember having lessons with Edgar Leerwak and Glennis Barry. And they showed me actually how to put a horse round and a horse through. And I remember thinking, wow, this horse actually feels soft now rather than a wooden neck and wooden back horse. I was going to say, did you even think, I think my horse is broken. This feels completely (laughs) different to anything I've ever sat on (laughs) that first time. (laughs) It's like, wow, I can sit on its back (laughs) instead of of bouncing around. So um, I think Glennis Barry was a a real turning point. She showed me how to actually gymnastically work a horse because I had no idea. I just used to go round, round circles, you know, okay, you, you did this and you just did this and this and that, right? Kick it in the gut and pull its teeth out and, and off you go. But Glenn yeah. has shown me quite a lot of gymnastic exercises and a way to actually put a horse together and to actually access a horse's back. And, and I thought, mm. wow, this is so foreign to me and so mm. new. And then I figured out that, what I liked the most was the horse came together and the horse actually started responding to you. Mm. And I think liking you, <laughs> As opposed to, you know, you're kicking up the gut and, and, and off mm. you go. Mm. Um, and I think that was a turning point. That was when I went, you know, I like this. And I like the, the detail in the training. I love the, 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 the work that you have to put to actually get the end result. Mm. It became mm. more, challenging to me 
because um, I used to just love everything fast and you know, adrenaline was there, but this was very different. Yeah. This was like, wow, I got it yesterday, but why can't I get it today? And then mm-hmm. tomorrow, and, and you just have to school it until you get it. And, and it was like hitting that golf ball or hitting that tennis ball at the right spot and getting the right sweet spot and everything sort of lining up getting onto horses and then doing the, the, the actual move and then it not going right, what was wrong? What can I do? And, and that became challenging to me. And then to actually take a horse that was very stiff, very unwilling, very behind the leg, behind the aid, very stuck, and actually getting them to work underneath mm. you and mm. sup just like this light bulb moment. And I went, you know what? I like this. Yeah, very challenging. I love it. And in your normal life, uh, do you love challenge? Like, is that a part of your personality? You love a good challenge. You love a puzzle. You, you, you know, that, that just lit up or everything, how you're wired. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that um, when people say, you know, you hear that cliche, when someone says to you, you can't, mm. you know, a big challenge. What mm. I like is when someone comes to me and go, I have a problem. Mm. or I don't like this, Uh, I feel like I've been um, bullied, I Mm. feel like I've been, injustice happened to me. What I'd like to do is get into that, work it and turn it around and then Mm. make something. So a lady rang me the other day and she was really upset. And she said to me, Gary, I don't think I can come for any more lessons. The owners have taken the horse off me. Uh, they treated me really badly and she was in tears. And I said to mm. her, look, let's look at it this way. Would you rather go down, you know, a couple of years down the track and they actually then show their true colours or mm. they show their true colours now and then you can accept it and then move on from there. And I think I always like to look at that positive. So I don't like to look, oh, oh, okay, let's whine on about it. No, let's get on with it and go from there. And that's, I think, like with any horses, you get a problem with a horse, you think, oh, my God, my horse is not doing this. Why isn't doing it? Let's work out how to get through this and get on with it. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so you're having lessons um, and suddenly felt this amazing feeling and starting to feel all these great things. Um, did you even know that Piaf Passage, One Time Tempies existed? Um, Hell no. And- yeah. <laughs> Um, and so the you, biggest thing like, I wanted to do was a single flying change. That was, I love was, it. I love it. That's the goal. Oh my God. That's if I did it. a single yeah. flying change, I would have made it. I would have won my goal lotto. I would have been, Oh God, I was so, I was so special when I did the first flying change. And that, yeah, what's that? Passage, what's that? You know, it was more about the yeah. flying change. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so you're working with Glennis and that was your focus, the one flying change. By then, had you seen a Grand Prix dressage test? Had you been to competitions and seen, yes, seen something? Yes, I plan? eventually started because I used to go down to Glennis's place and watch yeah. her train and, and I could mm. see that, okay, it's a little bit more than just a single flying change. <laughs> and I could see where it all started coming together and, and that's when it got more intense for me. I suppose, and the drive yeah. to actually get there. And, of course, you know, you, I went down the path of buying myself a schoolmaster um, yeah. that, you know, was, you could say, was knew all the tricks. Um, so yeah. he could piaf, couldn't passage, he could do one-time changes, he could go sideways, but I didn't care. I just did all the tricks. Didn't look particularly good. It was very strung out. But you know what? Who cares? We were going sideways. Apparently that's, that's, like, I got it. Like, that was the point. Didn't know it had to look a certain way. I got it. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, you, you think you're rather special. and, and But it, <laughs> it, it, it gave me, it fueled that, that passion and then it mm. led on. Then I got another horse uh, that was a Grand Prix horse. And mm. he was a schoolmaster. He was great. He actually taught me how to put it together. Um, Very, again, very old school, very old warm blood type that kind of looked a bit like an elephant and moved like an elephant, but did everything. And you, you could laugh at this. And and I, 
I would share this with you, but, you know, for me to do my 15 one-time changes was fantastic, but I used to do it way before X. So oh, yeah. Totally. It was like, oh, I did my 15 ones, but hang on, what happened to the rest of the diagonal? And I'd finished it before. And they're really I... short and stunted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 On the spot. I and, got yeah, and I'm the thinking, 15 ones. That's not I got point. my 15 ones. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it was, it was great to actually learn a lot of that stuff. And mm. then it wasn't until I started riding younger horses that I went, oh, okay, I understand now where it all fits in. Mm. Uh, and then still I just worked with a number of different coaches. And what the next coach that really helped me um, was actually uh, Leonie Brammel from mm-hmm. Germany. Mm-hmm. And Leonie was one that sort of opened up another world. Um, yeah. And I was there for, with her for a very short time. And then that's when I had the offer to go to America with and train with Stefan. Mm-hmm. So I took Chester across. The story there was Stefan came across to do a masterclass. Um, I was one of the, the, the guest riders and the guest horse. And he and I just hit it off and he actually invited me to come to Australia. I had to come to, to America. And at that stage I was like, Oh, I don't know whether I've got enough cash for that. Mm. I don't fund that. Uh, I don't know whether I could leave my job. I don't know whether I can leave my life here, but. What was your job? Did you have a real job? Yeah. yeah. I did have a real job. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I say that too. I have a, I had a real job. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The real job was I was a training manager for a large public company and I looked after all the training division. So it was a registered training organization and we had um, offices throughout Australia and New Zealand. And I was the training manager and I looked after all that. So my specialty is adult education. So I, I mm. went to uni and learned a little bit about it. But I kind of fell into that role more because I worked through that company and I worked through the ranks, got into manager, became kind of started coaching a lot of my own staff. And yes. the CEO said to me, Gary, tell me how you train your staff because all your staff are very confident, very competent. Um, uh, you, they get into the core center and they hit the floor running. What do you yeah. do compared to the other managers? And I explained mm-hmm. that my background is in training horses and that, you know, you yeah. can't overload, you can't teach a horse, you know, Grand Prix every, in one session. Yeah. Years and blah, blah, blah. And, and he kind of got that. And that's when he, he opened up the, the, the door to me becoming more and more involved in training for that company. Yeah. So that was a real job back then. Yeah. But time. were you born? Because obviously you had a commitment to the company and you loved what you were doing and you were busy and, and at some times I'm sure high stress, but then you had these goals with the horses and it's not like you were riding 10 horses a day. It was definitely fitting in either before or after. So I would have felt, yeah, yeah a bit of a conflict. It was very conflict um, because I wanted to really spend time training the horses, mm. but I actually, you know, subsidize the, the hobby. Yes, so. of course. Yeah. <laughs> but prior to that, I actually coached for a little while, um, yeah. but never made a living out of it. Um, yeah. Only managed to just scrape through. Um, I was this fresh, I went and did my, back then it was the NCAS level one. I went and did that and I came out and went, right. I'm now level one coach. Yeah. Knocking at the door. Yeah, come knocking at the door. No one knocked at the door. No one knocked. (laughs) And then I was sitting there eating two-minute noodles going, okay, I'm making money. (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much for Um, sharing. And then so from that I went, right, I now have to go back and and have a real job. And that's where I went back and worked. Um. I actually put horses aside for a little while during that period to concentrate on my career, but also concentrate on university, went and did some study, did all that, and then came back into the riding later on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's when I, of course, touched base with 
uh, Glennis and, and Glennis was the one that said, oh, well, come and have a look at these horses and, and holy moly, there was this foal and, of course, that's where I ended up with Chester. Mm. And that's where the journey began with Chester. Right. Okay. So, yeah, we filled in that bit. So now you've got a decision. Do you go to the other side of the world? Do you go to America and take an amazing training opportunity, learn so much more? I think you knew already it was a sense of it was going to be another new world. You had already had the world with Glennis, the world with Leone. Yeah, and it was going to be the next next one. Yeah. Yeah. So you couldn't say no, I'm thinking. No, no. (laughs) wanted to you wish you could have but you couldn't (laughs) so I went um it was a big it was a very big decision and one that I you know um discussed with the family and my partner and and what we ended up doing was we sent him across and Stefan was fantastic he just said look you just do whatever you can and we'll make it work and I'm in the back Mm -hmm. of my mind thinking why, why does he want me and my horse to come to America? Mm. I just figured out, and he told me later on, he, the barn that he has is a, quite a, a very lovely group of people, and it's a really lovely barn. You go there, it's very open. It's very conducive to learning. Um, you have, like, six coaches and trainers all working together, loads of people riding together, all sharing and he kind of also likes horses and people who are fit the bill, um, who are lighthearted. Mm. Uh, and because in during the masterclass, he and I were kind of bantering and, yep. and you know, I'm, I'm so shy, of course. And of course, of course. And so serious. And, yeah, no. <laughs> and um, so when um, he took a liking to me, of course, loved Chester, um, and when the opportunity came, he just said, look, let's, I said to him, I'm not in a position to go, you know, I just don't have an open checkbook. And he said, you just do whatever you need to do and we'll make it work. So he kind of helped a little bit, which was really lovely. And he got there, his wife, Shannon, um, fantastic lady, um, he and, and Shannon are, are real health nuts. They're real. Yeah really early she bakes in the early morning she bakes these healthy dairy free gluten free vegan free free, fat free cardboard looking things that tasted nice (laughs) i get it yeah um and um but they'll ride their horses in the morning and then they'll go off and do a gym session during the middle of the day or ride their bike and then they'll teach in the afternoon so they're very Healthy type people, great environment to actually work in. And I think mm. you guys might have actually interviewed Emma. Mm, Emma yes. yes, yes. And yeah. Emma was there. And Emma was great in getting me into the into the system and Emma helped me out a lot. So that was really lovely. Yeah. And so were you flying backwards and forwards? Yeah. Working. So and what happened flying? was yeah, he would he, he was based there, Chester was based there, and yeah. Stefan would ride him through the week, or yeah. Stefan's assistant, Leantia, would ride him um, mm-hmm. if he was down. And I would fly backwards and forwards every four weeks. So I'd mm-hmm. come home, run around madly for four weeks, doing clinics mm-hmm. and, and working and getting more money Everything. and then jumping back yeah. on a plane and flying back. And um, and what's the flight? 18 hours? The f- yeah, no, it was about 13 to 14 hours. Okay, it's yeah. a long time. I, yes. I got into a routine, you know, get there, put yeah. the ears on, watch a movie, fall asleep. Oh, and yeah. then... Okay. So I became, and in where Stefan's based in San Diego, well, um, in a place called Rancho Santa Fe, and it's in the hinterland of, of San Diego. And San Diego is very similar to the Gold Coast in that you've got okay. the Gold Coast lifestyle, mm-hmm. you have the hinterland, um, yes. and it's a beautiful part of the country, uh, and it's very relaxed. It's very similar to the Australian lifestyle, so it was really easy to slip into that type of environment. Brilliant. Okay, and what was Chester training before you sent him over? What level? So he was doing um, kind of small tour stuff. Yep. So okay. Yeah. So we already touched a bit on short steps. Um, he already started sequence changes. 
Um, you know, he did the can of pirouettes, um, but he never really came together for the Piaf and Passage. You know, we kind of yeah. touched a little bit on it, but nothing yeah. serious. And it was Stefan and his wife that actually helped me. His wife did, you know, help me a lot. She does a lot of um, uh, in-hand long reining. Mm. Amazing woman. She would, That's you know, the long reining a horse through the, the, the barn or up the hills. And there's lots of trails there and she's yeah. long reining, massaging up here, piafing there. And so she taught, helped me out a lot with putting the piaf and passage in for Chester. Um, and was that the intention for, I mean, obviously you knew you were going to learn a lot, but was it, I want to get this horse to Grand Prix. I want to get to Grand Prix. And I, I, I think this is the best place to get that all done. Yeah. 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 One of the things that actually drew me to to Stefan was that he rode Chester and he made Chester look amazing. And he was pumped and floating around the arena. And then he handed him back to me. And when he handed him back to me, Chester was so chilled. And I got on, Chester was so relaxed. And I went, whoa, okay, there's something here. Because I've actually, you know, Chester and I have been in a number of uh, finals for... Um, Sydney CDI, Dressage with the Stars in the young horse classes. Yeah. And I've had a number of German or international guest riders get on him, yes? Yes. And get on and they big auction trot around and they're floating around mm. looking at the flash. And then they hand him back to me and I can, I can feel just going back at his eye. And I went, I'm not getting on this thing. <laughs> This is going to buck me off. <laughs> but he wow. was pumped, but so yeah. pumped that everything was just adrenalized. Yeah. Yeah. Stefan had Chester moving amazingly and with such power and grace and softness. And then he handed yeah. back to me and Chester was like chilled. And I went, wow. Now. You're that, addicted. You wanted this. That got me. I just said, how can yeah. he access that power? Yes. And then back and went chilled, you know. So yeah. that was one of the things that drew me to it. And I knew then that I wanted him to help me take Chester to the next level. Yeah. Um, and he did that, you know, both him and and Shannon and Liencha, the three of them helped me out a lot. Um, and they were, it's a very uh, encouraging atmosphere. And, and That's great. You know what the Americans are like. They really, you know, clap each other on and then yeah. go for them. Yeah. And they're fantastic. And it's a great environment. So it's the one one experience I, I don't think I'll ever forget. And it actually changed the way I rode, yeah. changed, the way I, changed the way I think, changed the way I actually train a horse. Yeah, it's huge. Um, and one of the things that prior to that I used to always concentrate on, okay, at this level, your horse has to do this. At this level, yeah. you have to do this. And, and whereas I learned very quickly at Stefan's that it's not about that. It's about the quality of the pace, quality mm-hmm. of the horse, quality of that. Put it together. How can you access the horse? How can you get the horse through it, working through its body? And then you go off and do a couple of moves. And when it falls apart, how can you quickly put it back to where you had it? So you've mm. got that. So often you see them, you know, like six people work in an arena and they're not doing massive flash extended trots and sequence changes and half hours. They're just going through pure training and the pace. And I just, I got hooked on that and I understand. So I suppose now when I ride a horse, um, it's all about what, you know, I go looking for the problem places, the sticky bits, and how can we address that? How can we fix this? Because if you don't fix it, it's going to raise its ugly head later on down the track and yeah. slap your head um, yeah. and you need to address it back then. So that was real eye-opener to me, and it changed the way I, I thought. It changed the way I trained. It changed the way I taught as well. So yeah, I've come cool. back and, yeah, I've come back and I've got this very different approach to, and your students are like, whoa, but it's it's yeah. like it's different. But then they, I'm sure they would have started to see these amazing results as well. Going, all right, I'll I'll, I'll go with this. <laughs> it looks like yes. it's good. And one of the other things, Tash, that I really liked was um, 
they would all go to a, a horse show, quite a big horse show, as a stable. So the majority yeah. of riders would go, and they, they, they stay there for the week. Yeah. And you get to school there at a competition. You still work with Stefan. You still work with Shannon. You still work with Leandra. And you work there under those conditions. And what a time. There were a couple of times when there were, like, two CDIs back-to-back, and you could just mm-hmm. run you know, run competition and go straight into the other one. And um, and that was great to train at home, great to train how all the moves and how to actually put your horse together. But then they clicked into test riding mode. Yeah. And that, that was new to me because I was, I always struggled in the past of get at home. And of course I win the warm up. you know, as you do, and you get into the, <laughs> into yeah. test and it all falls apart. <laughs> yeah. That that was a big eye-opener. So when I came back to Australia, I actually started encouraging all my students, let's do this. This is training. This is test riding. Let's prepare you for competitions. And, and Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, lots that I learned. Yeah. So how long was it all up of the coming and forwards coming? Like how long was Chester there? Chester was there probably close to 18 months, probably a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, I, and I was going back to support. So, yeah. Do we not oh, want to know? God. Oh, God. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to even think okay. about it. Don't worry. We won't, we won't go there. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> I think I could have bought a couple of, you know, BMWs, Ferraris, and some watch <laughs> cars. Yes, yes. Okay, so, um, but you got in from small tour, you, so you were definitely doing the CDIs um, in the Grand Prix before. No, I only actually, in when I was in America, um, I did a handful of medium tours. Oh, right, yep. Yeah, that's a, the one in between small tour and big tour. Yeah, into A, into B. And it was yep. very very rusty because I was still trying to work on it myself. Yeah. Uh, and at that stage, Chester had his ones if you set it up right. But of course, you know, so often I would get, you know, five and then two and then the rest of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he never confirmed. Um, he could piaf. He could piaf the house down. I couldn't put the piaf, uh, walk piaf passage together. I couldn't put it all together. Uh, I got the canter pirouettes. I've got most of it, but I just couldn't put it together in that mm. situation. And as much mm. as we practiced it, you know, I think um, my my senior brain was sort of cutting in and my grey nomad brain was cutting in and my coordination <laughs> wasn't there. And it was still a learning curve for me mm. at that age. Um, and it wasn't until I actually came home. Mm. So that helped me set it up. Yeah. I came home. I had the option to stay another six months and do it. And I thought to myself, do I do it? I mean, I love going there and coming back to sports. And I thought, no, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going home. I'm going to come home and then, you know, continue on with the training. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got home that I was left to my own device that I had yeah. to actually step it up. Yeah, And that made me... Uh, kind of stand on my own two feet. And then I really, because back then, I think I was relying a lot on, oh my God, Stefan, it's falling apart. What do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and he would say, try this. Whereas at home, it just I, I just couldn't pick up the phone or I couldn't speak to him. I had to work yeah. it out. Mm, mm. And, and then I touched base again with Leonie, who used to come regularly from Germany, and she helped me kind of polish it off a little bit, but yeah. then the, they, and you know yourself, you're a Grand Prix rider and trainer. It, you can do the moves, but it's not until you get in the, the ring and you actually have to put it together. And I remember um, someone said to me once, when you get to Grand Prix, you A, have to learn how to ride again. And Absolutely. B, do, you need to do at least 20 Grand Prix for it to f- feel comfortable. Yeah. So, well, what freaked I, me out was all the years it took to get to Grand Prix, it felt like it's going to take all those years to get good at it. So if it took yes. you 10 yes. years to get to Grand Prix, I now need 10 years at Grand Prix. 
<laughs> and you, you yeah. get to Grand Prix and you, you're at the bottom of the pecking order and yeah, you have to work your way through, chip away and improve your marks, improve your horse. Your horse has to yeah. get stronger. Your timing has to get better because, yeah. um, you know, and, and you know yourself in Grand Prix, you're furiously counting, you know. Yeah, and, zinc- and everything's just, there's no break. And, Next diagonal, the next one. Next diagonal, the next trick. Okay. Yeah. So you're counting all the time, and if you miss one, well, you know, you just have to get going. So (laughs) I felt that I stepped it up to Grand Prix. I thought, and I, I, you know, I struggled through it, and Mm. but I'm going. Uh, Leonie helped me, and then um, Lorne actually Jurgensen helped me as well. I started yeah. having lessons with her and she she was very great in supporting me and, and putting it all together in a test situation. Yeah. Uh, and she made me ride it pretty much every day. So I used to have to ride yeah. it every day. And that's where I kind of got better and better yeah. in the Grand Prix. And not only did I think I got better and better in the Grand Prix, but I think my riding in general got better. Mm-hmm. Um the handling, my timing with young horses got better. Um, I was, poor, my poor students got copped it because I made sure they got better. And I yeah. said, right, come on, speed this process Are up. You're and... new standards. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and no more having cups of tea. Come on, let's go and let's do this. And my favourite saying is, stop setting the table and folding the napkins and doing the flower arrangements. We're having fish and chips on the couch. Go, I let's do it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think the, the pushing myself through to that Grand Prix has really made me, uh, I think, a better ride in terms of timing and mm. expectation. Yeah. And, um, and I think you, you could relate to this. You know, you, there's not a lot of people who say they could train and, and ridden at Grand Prix. And once you get there, it's like, wow, you feel like this. You have such respect for anyone else that's ridden at that level. Yeah. And it's like a Grand Prix club. And yeah. not trying to disclude anyone, but you feel like you support each other. And, yeah. and it feels quite nice. Yeah, absolutely. So what's, what's your favorite memory of competing with him? What's your favorite venue or your favorite test that you ever did? The favourite test would um, have to be at, I, I rode at Wollinga, um, yeah. one of the sea guys there. And I remember, I don't know what it was, but everything, I think all the moons and stars lined up. And I remember riding the Grand Prix thinking, wow, I've got time to knit a jumper in between each move. And I was like, wow, wow, I've got time to prepare this. I've got time to think it through. I've got time to assess the next one. And then it all clicked for me, and, and that felt amazing. That was yeah. um, probably one of my highlights. Just, just it felt good, um, and I felt like I was I was in one. And Chester yeah. was with oh, me, feeling, let yeah. me in, and, and we had lots of conversation between the two of us. But so yeah. often when I ride Chester, he has a lot of discussions with me, like. No, 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 I can do this. You just sit there and I'll do this. And I went, no, 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 we need to do this together. No, 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 I can do this. And (laughs) I love it. You asked about favorite writing time. Another time that, and I tell this story to everyone. um, I think we were in the finals of the five-year-old at Dressage with the Stars. Mm -hmm. And I think from memory, I can't remember. We were, I was in the top three. And it got down to the last three of us, and it was pretty edgy, like mm-hmm. the atmosphere. Um, and I had him so pumped for the trot work, and I was like, "This is I'm on fire." Yeah. Went across and do the walk, and of course, if you remember at Werribee in the corner where the bar is, um, they've also got wooden floors, and there was yeah. a massive dog fight. A oh no. And, of course, everyone scattered, chairs fell down, and Chester froze, ran backwards and went, I don't know, something's over there. Yeah. Um, completely lost the whole thing. Um, oh, and no. And he says, everything went to pieces. But I remember thinking it stopped and everyone paused and 
the judges were looking at me and I was looking at the judges and the people look at me and I'm looking at the people and, and I to myself, I'm going to die. I'm going to die here. But <laughs> um, you continued on. And I remember um, Ulf Muller said to me, Gary, um, this is certainly not your Sunday. Oh, I love that's it's your been, favorite memory though. Like, one yeah, I know. And I just thought, well, it all fell apart. And you know what? You, you survived. Exactly. Exactly. You didn't burst into flames. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't, so I then, was waiting for the earth to open up and so I could swallow it. But... It doesn't actually happen. So there's nothing to worry about. It's all good. So I say <laughs> that to a lot of people because I say, you know, you work so hard to get to something like that, and in a, yeah. in a, in a split second, it all can all fall apart. So, yes, soldier on. Exactly. So well said. So um, then there would have come a time um, that uh, were you thinking about, like, what are the goals with this horse and is he, am I going to keep riding him forever? Like, is there a retirement? Um, how did you speak, speak to that last bit? And then I believe you did something very, very cool. That I won't yes. share. Um, yeah. So Chester, he's now 17. And last year I was riding along thinking to myself, okay, he's now 16. And it's always in the back of my mind, you know, what happens in his twilight years. Like yeah. he's definitely part of the family. He's not going anywhere. Um, you can imagine I've had lots of offers, you know, people want to mm. buy him and, but he's been with the family for so long. I just thought, you know, you, you can't do that. And um, and I didn't really want to be one of those Grand Prix riders that bashed around on their old Grand Prix horse in their 20s, stiff as an ironing board, and for people to go, wow, he's still riding Grand Prix. I yeah. wish he would retire that horse. <laughs> and, and what for? To say I've ridden, I'm riding Grand Prix? You know, I, yeah. I think... I, it was a bonus to actually get him to Grand Prix yeah. and keep him sound in the brain, yeah. sound in the mind, sound in the body. And that's a bonus. And, and mm-hmm. um, to keep him there would be ideal, but I'm also aware that he's getting older. So mm-hmm. what I did, I wanted him to continue on with his life, uh, with his, um, his competition life. And yeah. actually looked around for someone to actually take him on. I didn't want to sell him. Yeah. I wanted him to stay here. I wanted uh, a young rider to take him on. And mm. um, this is where Indy Cochran came in. Uh, India, I've taught since she was eight years old. She's an event rider and a lovely young lady, lovely family. Um, and I remember even at eight years old, she was like riding for Australia. She came in on the yeah. pony and she was like determined. And, and yeah. the words that I can explain, words that I can describe India is someone that's very compassionate, um, someone that's very resilient, uh, someone that will just keep working hard. Uh, and as I said, a very supportive family. And they would come, they have come to me religiously every week and they'd bring one horse. If that horse wasn't like unfit or lame, they'd bring the other horse and they were very dedicated to the, the horse's education, but also the child's education and the child's mm-hmm. riding career. So when I made the offer to, cause she's had a couple of rides on Chester before, you know, I've, I've allowed, I've got a couple of my students have a little sit. Um, and she had a ride on Chester, and it didn't particularly go too well <laughs> when she first rode him. But that was more, you know, because I think he was so um, he was so fit, Grand Prix fit, yeah. and yeah. She was still at that sort of yeah. She was still. I yeah. mean, the poor girl has never ridden past novice, and for her to yes. take on a horse like this. Yeah. So, but what I like about it is that she's a very kind rider. And she's a very mm-hmm. thoughtful rider and, um, and has amazing feel so, and coordination. Mm-hmm. So when I made the offer, one of the nicest things she did was she said, Gary, thank you very much. She burst into tears. She said, thank you very much. Um, can I have some time to think about it? And I, I was absolutely gobsmacked. And I was yeah, thinking, you were like, what thinking? Oh. 
Yeah, what, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> Any normal person would grab me by the throat and shake it and say, of course I'll take this opportunity. But she yeah. said, no. And I just think about it. And I found out from her mum, she sat down with her family. She wanted to make sure she dedicated time to her school, dedicated mm. time to her other horse and the venting, oh, wow. dedicate her time to her family to take on another commitment like this. And I was like, wow, that's very growing up. What maturity? Like, do I even have that maturity now? I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> very so, cool. Um, so the journey started with uh, uh, Indian Chester last year. Uh, we had him down because, you know, she was still learning cool. how to go sideways. Yeah, um, yeah. And she went out and she's learning lots. Like, she's gone out and ticked some boxes with the medium levels. She's had it go. Yeah some advanced tests. Um, she's had a couple of go at, at home with the priest and George and a small tour. She can press the buttons. They kind of are all there, but putting it all together is, is another story. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just that she's a, it's a very good mix and, and Chester loves her. Absolutely loves her. And, That's and so they, good. and they work well together and she comes and rides here pretty much five, six days a week. Um, wow. And they're around the corner. So they come and they ride Chester and they still have lessons with me, with their other horse and they have lessons with Chester. Um, and I kind of feel like she's joined the the, the family. Um, mm. I have young riders that work with me and and sometimes I feel like either a soccer dad or I feel like a dance mum. <laughs> Any situation, I'm a soccer dad or dance mum. So, um, the young girls are great and Indy's part of it. And um, we all go to shows together. We help each other out. And yeah, and I really want to see her journey to, to under 25 Grand Prix. Oh, so exciting. And it is a very exciting thing for her. And, 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 and the, they're very grateful. A really lovely family. Uh, the mother and father are always supportive uh, and they do anything they can and they're hardworking. You know, mm. they can't afford to go and buy a Grand Prix horse. Yeah, uh, they work hard. They have their own business. Um, she works hard at school and, and yeah. good family. So very happy with what's happening there. Beautiful story. So then what about you? Do you have some new horses do you just have one horse what's what's a typical day look like for you and what horses are you riding at the moment well my day pretty much starts at about i i get up fairly early help out with the horses and i start riding at about 8 eight thirty, and mm-hmm. i ride anywhere up to about four to five horses a day so in the morning yeah. and i might teach a couple before lunchtime and then pretty much the afternoon onwards, depending on days, I start teaching. And sometimes I start teaching it sort of later afternoon, go in the evening. Um, and that's Monday through to Friday. But mm-hmm. Friday, before the whole COVID hit, um, mm. I used to uh, do the horses in the morning, ride the horses in the morning, and then jump on a plane and, and after lunch and either fly around Australia and wow. go do clinic somewhere for the weekend, fly home on the Sunday night and then start again. Mm. So that's kind of my routine here at home. Um, but since COVID, um, of course, I don't travel as much. Mm. Uh, I get to do things at home. I get to do a bit of gardening. Mm. I actually, my, I, I managed to clean my oven. Um, I don't think it's ever been cleaned. <laughs> I've got to clean my oven. <laughs> and, um, and the nice thing was I got to reconnect with quite a lot of my local students because yeah. in the past when I was gallivanting around Australia coaching, all my local students were going, well, Gary, we can never find you. You're never home. So, you know, we can't have lessons with you. But now I'm home. A lot of yeah. the students have reconnected and come back and, and I'm probably busier than I was before. That's so great. In, in terms of horses, I have a number of horses that come in for training, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, have two young horses. Well, I've got yeah, two young horses at the moment. I have a, um, a five-year-old 
Shamua mare, and she's quite a big mare, quite elegant. Um, and I've always made a rule never to actually own big horses because, you, as you, you probably appreciate, putting them together is is, is another you know uh, hurdle that you have to face. But yeah. she's seventeen one, but she's got a great brain. She's really light off her feet, um, and but I love her temperament and I love her attitude towards it. And she's, you know, I call her Miss Universe because she's quite pretty. And so she's Aww. kind of one of the horses I'm bringing through. Another yeah. one I have is a um, four romance two gelding who's um, three years old, just been started, mm-hmm. lovely horses, um, really quite easy to work with. And a horse that's, you know, way past its actual year. So I'm very excited with the two young ones coming through. And, you know, you get them to Grand Prix and then you kind of start again and you bring another yeah. one through and then you, yeah. you do. So um, Absolutely. The- and I think for everyone listening um, who may have started their coaching career and you mentioned, you know, nobody – called or no one knocked and then to come full circle and to be able to not have to go back to the job and to coach and ride and train and live what you absolutely love I'm sure everyone's like wow it can be done I think I credit that to a number of things I think time that I had when I in my professional life my real job where I I learned to work with adult education and learn to and and you know this is you're an educator yourself and um you you often see professionals who are very good at their job um they place them in a role to actually teach but they can't teach they can do their job really well yes yes so um and i found that i think i learned quite a lot from that and then now to come back into coaching in training in the equestrian world, I was able to bring that across yeah. and utilize all the adult learning principles and, yeah. and how to structure your lessons and yeah. how to engage and all that sort of stuff, stuff that you know so well. And, that, yeah. um, and I think that's where the draw card is now. People are starting, starting to come to go, wow, I'm getting something from this. I understand and and I can see the, the lesson... Um, where it's taking me and I can see the plan and I can see what, why we're doing this and, yeah. and understand the relevance. And I think that's one of the key things. And the other thing is I think Stefan kind of gave me a little bit of a, you know, working with Stefan has given me a little bit of a push, a bit yeah. of a profile, um, but it's also given me um, lots of a, a different direction on how to train horses. So he's very yeah. much about the happy athlete, the happy mm. horse. He works mm. with a horse. Um, Shannon, his wife, is another one. They work very much with the horse. Um, they're mm. very open. They don't close doors. Their training is very open. They welcome people to come and sit, watch them. They're very open about their discussion with training. And that was mm. that was quite a an eye-opener. And it, I think it's built my... Mm, my new way of training, I suppose. My yeah. reputation has then proceeded from that. So, yeah. um, and I think that's where now you're right. Whereas before I was like waiting for people to come and have lessons with yeah. me. Now I'm, you know, people are knocking on my door and it's really a lovely feeling and I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for it and, yeah. and have to remember to, you know, put back to the sport, so to speak. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm saying as well. Like your time with Stefan, you really got to model what you loved as uh, as a learning person. Don't know why I don't have a word for that. Um, and to hear that you are now modeling what you saw with the competitions and you with, with your team goes to the competitions because I know I think every rider will resonate with we. it is an, a, a lone sport. And then I know for years I used to get to a competition and I would know nobody and I would have no one to talk to and no one and I just had to figure it out myself and go by myself to the gear check and go by myself and hope that this was my ring and hope that this was the time I should be doing my test and I didn't have a groom I didn't have anyone around so that whole team um, support is such a huge thing and I love that you've brought that back with you and fostered that in your community yeah 
it's it's and I think that's something that we should adopt more in Australia. Um, yeah, absolutely. We tend to ride by ourselves. We've yeah. got our five acres. We have our horse in the backyard. The only time we really get to see someone is we go to competition or so, some social event. Yes. Um, and you get to see your coach maybe once a week or once a fortnight. Yeah. And often between, you know, you develop bad habits. Yeah. Um, the, the model they had at, at Stefan was very much about you're under that guidance all the time. You had that support. Um, so if you couldn't, you know, discuss it with one person, you could go to someone else. Yeah. Um, and I often see, I often used, I remember seeing Stefan and Shannon helping all the other coaches with their students. So, good. so if, you know, a coach had a, an issue with the horse or with the student, uh, there was a little problem there. And I remember Stefan would pull that person aside and say, hey, why don't you try this? Um, try that. So they were supporting the coaches that were there. Uh, and coming back to Australia, I could see that we all, we're all isolated. We all do our own little thing. You come together for the competition. Um, whereas even in Europe and, you know, where you're all, all together because you're all right under one barn, your horses are gisted together. Um, and I think we should do more of that, whether it's. I agree getting together a couple of times a week, riding together, supporting yeah. each other, uh, helping each other. Um, and I, there's a, a local club here, and I think you know, a lot of clubs probably do the same throughout Australia where they have a – they call it the ladies' day on, on Thursday. Yeah. All the ladies get there and, and they, they have morning tea and they get together, they ride together. And, and you know, I think that should be more of – we should do more of that and support each other. And the other thing I learned also was the, the idea of coaches working together because – Yes, that that's, that's when you said that, you know, all the coaches work and it's not my client, your client, and, and even, you know, Stefan <laughs> comes in and helps. And it's just we're all here to help. And whoever can help yeah. at that time and, and there's no yeah. his or hers or mine and yours, what a wonderful community. It's like uh, Nicole McGoffin. Nicole McGoffin is, um, spent time at Stefan's with JB yeah. Anzac, and she understood that as well and, and – yeah. She travels around Australia coaching and I travel around Australia coaching. And there are times we actually bump into each other or we share in the number of different students and we yeah. would bounce ideas off each other and say, yeah. oh, what did you do with that person? And, oh, my God, I had problems with this. What did you do? And, and it yeah. was great. And Nick and I, you know, we talk a lot and, and, and we share a lot of students. And so that's yeah. often when she's away, she goes, if I'm in trouble, you ring Gary up and, and vice yeah. versa. And, and I think we Perfect. should do that more often. We should really yeah. sort of, and that shows a bit of confidence within ourselves as coaches yeah, uh, and as people. So you're right about that. This is my student. This is my client. Don't touch it. And <laughs> yeah, We have to transcend that. Absolutely. Um, so what are your future goals? Do you, do you write down goals? Do you have a plan for 2030, 2040, 2050? My goal is, um, I would really love to continue, of course, training horses. But my my goal is with young riders. I love it. Have passion with young riders, and I have a number of young riders coming through. Um, I feel like I'm I'm a talent scout. I go around, and I look at all these young riders, and go right, okay, you might be eight, but you know what? I've tagged you, and <laughs> you're coming yeah. up the ranks. You got no option. Um, and you can see those kids and you want to give them the opportunity to actually come through. And, um, and I love working with them. I love working with the families as well. And, you know, I love my favorite saying to, to a parent is uh, continue fertilizing that money tree. <laughs> <laughs> or plant a couple it. more because you need more money tree. Oh, my father. But always also, I also say to them, it's a great sport your child to come in through because it's not like a tennis racket you can't just put it back in the cupboard you have to you know you have responsibilities yeah. with your animals um so you know foster that and and, and grow it and, and do that so my goals are to can i love bringing the young riders through um taking them through to fei showing them that 
Uh, I would like to continue. I have plans for these young horses that I've got. Uh, I also, you know, would like to have a little look at maybe doing some judging myself. Love it. Uh, As I've seen a number of, I've been exposed to a number of very good judges and been with them and go, wow. And I remember sitting with a couple and thinking, penciling for them or just sitting with them and, and listening, thinking, they actually do know what they're talking about and they can see right through what we're trying to hide. And, um, and I like that part. And I think that's something I would eventually like to, to head in as well. Some judging, continue on producing young riders. Um, I have a number of adult riders who actually say, hang on, what about us? You know, don't spend with the kids and what about us? And, um, and of course, producing, um, I think, producing sound mind and sound body horses. Educate. Yeah, great goals. Awesome. Do you have a piece of advice that you live by, or do all your students go, oh, Gary always says? Is there a. Is there <laughs> <you always> <laughs> I think one of the things I really love saying to all my students is to, I always give them the advice that they should ride more than one horse. Yeah. Uh, I always say to them, ride, if you can, beg, borrow, steal, steal your neighbor's horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. (laughs) Become accustomed to a variety of horses uh, because your timing and your skill level will improve. That's going to make your, your riding for your own horse a whole lot better. Um, and I'm always suggesting, I mean, you know, lots of parents that sort of give me the evil eye and say, don't say that. You yeah, know, my yeah, kid yeah, wants yeah, to yeah. buy another horse. And, you know, we've already got five at home and we don't need another one. And But <laughs> I, I'm always saying, you know, you now have a very hot horse. You need to ride a horse that's very behind the A. You need to ride a horse that does this and does that. And, um, and I'm probably one to constantly promote that and, and tell all my students and, and every, anyone, anyone that wants to listen, go and ride in as many horses as you can to get the feel. I love it. Uh, do you have any sponsors you'd like to mention? Yes, I'm sponsored by Mitervite. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitervite's looked after me for a number of years. Mitervite feeds all my horses, of course. Um, Back on Track is another one that looks after me. They send me all their goodies to... For my horse and myself, because you know, uh, I think you're the still twenty one, aren't you? Yeah, that's what I reckon. <laughs> you know, brain singing twenty one, but you get up in the morning and this, you know, over fifty body tends to sort of creep out of bed. <laughs> How dare it! <laughs> um, I have um, Rose Hip Vital, so all the horses I've got, I've got all on Rose Hip Vital, um, Ocean Easy Stables. They sort of supply me with a lot of gear that I have. So, but, and then there's a lady called Catherine uh, Sullivan Butt who looks after all my saddles. She's a saddle fitter and she travels around New South Wales, northern New South Wales and Queensland fitting saddles. And she's always looked after Chester. So, um, love it. Love it. Super. We will have those companies in the show notes for people that want to find them. And what about where listeners can find you on social media? I'm sure you're on TikTok. <laughs> no, I'm actually not. <laughs> I've I've yet to try that. I've been all the younger generation <laughs> telling me, Gary, you got to get on TikTok. You got to get on TikTok. <laughs> um, no, I think we're more the I Facebook generation. Tr- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't trust myself with TikTok. I, I think I would <laughs> the whole lot level. I think I would probably because you know, Tash, I'm very shy and, and I know. And if you put a camera in front of me, I'd be like, yeah. "That's a whole new move." I think I think exactly. everyone will watch you. Exactly. No, I'm I'm the generation of Facebook and Instagram, and and yeah, that's uh, that's the extent. I, I remember someone said to me, "What's that one?" Snapchat. Yeah, I don't know Snapchat. I don't no. know. I tried, <laughs> and I don't understand. Don't understand the concept. Can't get it. I'm with you. And my head and go, why? 
I love it. So where, uh, just uh, your name for Facebook and Instagram or? It's just Gary Lung, yes. Yeah, yeah and same, same Gary Lung as well. So Great. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes. Anything else that we need to mention to make this complete? Uh, no, thank you very much for inviting me. I think I've kind of, yeah, I've said a lot. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. I'm sure you've inspired lots of people with your journey and um, I know how much you help everyone in Australia and how much we appreciate you. So thanks for coming along today. Thank you, Tash. To stay up to date with the latest content, don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast. Go on hit subscribe. I'd love if you would also love to leave us a review to help us how we could do better or make this even more amazing for you. And remember to follow us on Instagram at Your Writing Success and Natasha.altoff.